Welcome to EduThink, the podcast that explores education in South Africa so that parents can make better decisions for their children's futures. Are there enough adjectives to describe the past year and a half? Big ones like unprecedented seem to have been overused, thus diluting their impact on our day-to-day lives. While the consequences of a contemporary pandemic will be with us for decades to come, some of the initial responses were a drastic shift from normal to a new normal. One of these was schooling, which saw a boom in work dumps, video teaching, and remote schools. And one of the important things that all of this has shone a bright light on is the advantage small, nimble, and innovative schools have in being able to rapidly design, deploy, test, and iterate hybrid solutions that work. Yet this is only one of the myriad differences between large and small schools. It's not unusual in this day and age for parents to enroll siblings in different schools. It's a reflection, in fact, of the world today and how we expect to be able to customize individual experiences. Today, we're exploring this topic with parents who have chosen not to enroll their children in the same school. Instead, they decided on two very different schools, one large, well-known and private, and the other with very small classes. What we want to know is why they chose these. What was the thinking? What was the reasoning? Essentially, what is the difference that made the difference? Joining me in this studio are EduInc Headmaster Gershom Aitchison and three parents who have done just this. Thank you all for your time and willingness to share your story and journey with us. Welcome. Hello. Hi. Hi, Gavin. Let's kick off with you, Gersh. What is hybrid learning? Firstly, thank you very much for you taking time out of your busy days and your schedule to come and talk to us today. I think that the conversation we're going to have is very valuable. I think that a lot of parents are going to find value in the information and the stories that you're going to share. And I'm hoping that it generates a lot of thought and discussion when they are thinking about schools, about moving schools and things like that. So I'd just like to say thank you to Krina, who has a son in grade 10 at Edgerink, and Debbie has a son in grade 5 at Edgerink, and Mandy has a daughter in grade 10 at Edgerink. And as Gavin has said in the introduction, they all have siblings at other schools for different reasons, and that's something that we're going to explore today as well. Welcome. Thank you very much for your time. Hybrid learning is a learning space where students can be in a classroom experience, in a learning experience, either digitally or physically, and it makes no difference to that learning experience. And there are a few combinations that can happen in that space. The learner can be digitally in the classroom, while other learners are physically in the classroom, with the teacher physically in the classroom. The teacher can be digitally in the classroom, with all the learners physically in the classroom. Or the teacher can be digitally in the classroom with some learners physically in the classroom and other learners digitally in the classroom. Hybrid learning is synchronous. It happens immediately and it's face-to-face teaching. Unlike online learning, which is asynchronous, where students can do the work at their own time and at their own pace and there's certain deadlines when the work has to get done. There's very little face-to-face contact with the teachers and a lot of the content is pre-recorded and the students have to work through it at their own pace, and they have to manage their own time and use their own discretion on how they're going to get the work done. So how do you do that? Have a teacher digitally in the classroom with some kids digitally present and others physically present? Krina, at the end of last year, we went through a very rigorous design process with the teachers and some external people to get an idea of what a hybrid learning space would be. And we did that and we prototyped it so that we could see what would actually work. We had an idea. And what we found is that there were three elements to creating a hybrid space and making it very effective. The first was we identified that there's technology for communication. The second thing we identified is technology for work. And the most important is we identified technological behaviors. And if one of those three elements are absent, then the system collapses. It doesn't work effectively. So in a classroom situation, a hybrid classroom situation, technology for communication is one of the most important things. And initially, when we started the design process, conceptually, we thought that there would be two monitors in front of the classroom, one with the students on a meet and one with the teacher presenting work that needed to be done. But the teacher couldn't see the student in the classroom. So that second monitor actually moved to the back of the classroom with a webcam on it 
that allows the students at home to be the students at the back of the class viewing the entire class situation. And it helped create that immersive experience for the students who are digitally there. It also made sure that the students digitally were not lost to the teacher. They could see them physically in the classroom, even though they were digitally portrayed in that space. If they put their hands up, if they spoke, and if they were engaging, the teacher could still see their body language, still could see what they were busy doing, and their classmates could see that as well, and they could see their classmates engaging in that space. The biggest challenge in the communication was actually the sound, because the assumption is that a webcam can do that, but we have to have a boom mic in the classroom to generate spontaneous conversation. So when we are having a discussion, we'll say to the students, come off your mics, and then everyone talks as though they're present. And obviously the sound comes out of the TV at the back of the room, but it's capturing the entire conversation from the boom bike in the middle of the classroom. That was one of the biggest barriers to effective communication and that immersive experience in that classroom. So how do you deal with distractions of social media for those students not physically in the class? So that's where the digital behavior or the technological behavior is important. And we can't essentially do that. If a child has got another tab open, yes, the teacher can see it um, on their eyeballs, literally, because it's reflecting on their eyes, or that they are distracted in the classroom. And we've all been on meetings where we can see where someone's checking the emails and not engaging. And that's part of why cameras on is important in the digital space. We need to see what you're doing so that you're engaging. You can't just switch off. And another thing that we do to get your mindset right is that the kids wear their school uniform if they are digitally in class because you're still in class. You just might not be physically in the classroom. You're still attending class. So it's more about teaching them how to have the self-discipline to not do that and encouraging them as is expected at eduing to be engaged in the classroom discussions, etc. And if a teacher sees the child not engaging, they will address them and say, you know, if your son was online, Sam, mm. what do you think of that question? And ask them to contribute. Mm. Having them at the back of the class and in the teacher's face like a normal student encourages that participation because the teacher can see when they're not engaging. Thanks. My son moved to Edwink last year because he thrives in a small class. We found that the large class in the large private school wasn't working for him. And we're enormously grateful that he has moved, not just because of the smaller class, but because the online school from home program at Edu Inc. has been amazing because he has been following his timetable from the very first lesson to the last every single day. My other child who's at the larger private school gets what I guess you could refer to as a work dump. So we pick up a pack of work at the beginning of the week. He has one or two or three Zoom calls a week. For half an hour and that's the extent of their face-to-face -face teaching and the rest of the time it's either videos or we require to sit with him and work with him he is young so I don't expect him to be online all day I think he'd find that very hard but it's been very interesting to see the contrast between the two and as I say we're very grateful that our our older child has the ability through Edger Inc to be in his classes following the timetable face-to-face -face with his teachers all day and he hasn't missed a, a thing other than his the distraction of the tech, but that's something that we're working with, with him, and I think they have to learn how to handle technology anyway. So if nothing else, this is teaching them that as well as everything else. I think there are a lot of adults who are facing the same demons Absolutely. as your grade five son is, and that is managing the tech and the distractions of YouTube or gaming in the workspace from home and getting the job done. I don't think it's student only. And I think it just highlights how important the technological discipline is. Because I feel, and I don't know how you feel in your different workspaces, that the new normal is an expectation that the, you are able to work from home, that you are able to self-manage and to do self-discipline. And even when COVID's finished, I don't want our students to lose the skills that they've learned in doing this. It is unlikely that even at university level that kids are going to be 100% in class. I see it as where the future is going, and I think the world of work is moving in that space as well. Well, mm. interestingly, Nedbank has just announced that they're going pretty much home. You can go in when you need to, but their entire 
banking other than the customer facing people are going to be working from home. So if they haven't got those skills, they're in trouble. At least our kids are getting them early because as you say, it's, it's not going to change. And I think what's important in that space too is that it's structured and it's intentional. It's not just, you know, rigid, you know, you know, bashing them on the head. It's an understanding of personal growth and the EQ development, which is important as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think just to build on what you were saying, I think this is the way of the future. And certainly all my work has moved onto a virtual platform. Mm. And we are very structured and intentional about how we engage. And we talk about distractions before we engage in a meeting. Mm. In fact, it begins before we're even in the meeting. Hence my question earlier, how do you deal with distractions? Because I don't think distractions are limited only to our children. Mm. But I think that was really interesting to hear what Debbie was saying about a work dump from a larger private school. Luckily, the other school that we were involved with was very good at online schooling when they eventually got it online. But it was the peripheral issues that were very distracting that I didn't feel that the school sufficiently engaged and certainly not for my son who's so easily distracted. So I think it becomes less a process of on the virtual platform, there's no one size that fits all. And when you have a child who doesn't tick a box of a mainstream, very driven, you know, wants to achieve takes initiative, will do whatever is required. When you don't have that in your child or in the person with whom you're holding a meeting or engagement, you've got some challenges on a virtual platform. And so that's why I asked the question about distractions, because that's real. That's as real in any virtual context. So I think that's really important. And I think that's, you know, one of the elements of difference that makes a difference for me is the personalized approach you know seeing an individual as a unique individual and what goes with that and what goes with that in terms of learning and what's going to make it easy for that individual to learn and access the learning i had an interesting conversation with somebody who matriculated last year and in talking about what eduink offers you know and adults have a different concept about what individuality and individualism and the promotion of that you know we talk about giving a child individual attention and it was interesting getting the feedback because students seem to find that the individual concept is not about we seeing them individually giving them individual attention it's about them being able to be individuals in a safe space and explore the different phases and things that they're going through so it's about not having to fit into a box and being forced to be something that they're not. And it's an interesting view because we're looking at it, the individual attention and being able to look at them and they're going, no, that's not what's important about the individual side of things. It's about me being safe in a space to be an individual and explore myself as an individual and the uniqueness of that. Hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. What I can also say is, is the joy of the smaller classes with Edu Inc. is you don't have 27 children on a Zoom call that I know some of the schools are doing. So I think it's, I don't think there's any easy decision here on yeah. the online learning. They're trying to keep the children engaged, but you have one class teacher and 27 kids, so she can't even see your entire class. Hmm. Whereas at least with Edu Inc, we know that, that the classes are small enough that there's one-on-one -on -one engagement at all times and they can keep an eye on, on the little guys, especially ones like mine who are distractible. It certainly has been an advantage in the current circumstances where Eduink's class size of 10 students has definitely played a role in that. Mm -hmm. And in the younger grades, it's even smaller, the, the student-teacher ratio, which we protect and curate deliberately because it has so many advantages. Debbie, one of the things that you said was that you moved your child to Eduink because of the small classes. And I'd like to dive in a little bit deeper there's a lot of studies about class size and the effectiveness of different class sizes in a learning environment. What have the advantages been of the small classes for your son? I think he was just getting lost in the bigger classroom. He was being left behind and I don't know that in a bigger class that a teacher can keep an eye on every child. And it's, I think it's an incredibly hard ask to appeal to the and stimulate the children who are 
are way ahead and and catching on quickly. And then the children who are battling, you know, where do they put their attention? You're losing half your class, whichever way you do it. Whereas at Edu Inc., because the classes are smaller, the teachers are much more able to stimulate the kids whichever way they need to. So my son is is excellent at some things and he battles in others and the teachers know him well. They know where they need to step in and assist him and when they can let him run with something. And if they are working with him, because they're not a huge amount of other children in the class, the other students can get on with it without the teacher having to drop the ball with them. Mm. I know he feels heard. He feels special. It's just boosted his confidence immensely. And we could see that that was what was taking a big knock in the bigger classroom. Something was mentioned earlier, like when we first started this, um, beginning of last year, March last year, that we had to all go home and start doing this. And I, Eden is, is very goal-driven for a variety of reasons. But my younger daughter, who is at also at a big mainstream private school, she seemed to approach it very much like she was on holiday. Until eventually I... I mean, I also had Eden complaining. This is not what she wanted. She wanted to go back to school. She wanted to see her friends. She wanted her life back. And I said, well, sweethearts, there's no earthly point in complaining about this. I'm not controlling this. So everything happens for a reason. You're about to learn an amazing new skill. I don't know why you're going to need it. I don't know why the universe started to teach you this. I'm telling you to run with it. You have choices. I both of them have got to the stage at school that I don't know what they're doing. They use the maths doesn't look the same. It, they don't even use the same words anymore to describe the stuff that we did at school. I have kind of outlived my usefulness from an education perspective. Um, so you need them more than you need me here for an education. I'm in my 40s. I'm done. It's your turn. So you can wander around the house watching TV, making excuses lying, slothing about to your heart's content. I'm not the one who's going to fail. Grade, what are we in? Eight. I'm not going to fail it. You are. And if this goes on for a decade, or even four years or five years, you will do yourself out of an education, not me. So you need to approach this as something that you want to do, and I need you to get your brain right. You don't sit in front of your laptop and do what you need to do and learn these skills in case you get punished. Because that, that does nothing. It's like, it's like eating a salad because mom's going to shout at you that your pants are tight. You have to want to eat the salad for yourself. Because what would you do if I'm dead? Just get fat? That's, that's silly. Mm-hmm. So I need you ladies to approach this as if it is something that you want for yourself. Everything required has been provided for you. Mm. How you work with this has got to be your decision. I'm not going to police it. I'm not going to monitor it. Should you choose to fail the year because you can't work on your laptop, those are your choices. And you can't say, yes, but it doesn't work, it doesn't work, because 30% of your class got their act together and they got it to work. So therefore, there's nothing wrong with you. You do it. So I'm not going to bother you. I will pass your room and say, goodness me, painting your nails again. Was there possibly a maths lesson this week at all? And if you lie to me, that is also fine. I shall simply keep walking. I'm not interested. You need to take care of this. I, I can't police it. I don't want to police it. I don't like me as a policeman, and neither do you. So, Mandy, when did that conversation happen? Within the first two weeks of online schooling. Edu Inc. got their ducks in a row <laughs> so fast. The other school, a super-duper tech school with a super-fancy, highly expensive, we do not negotiate, you will have this machine or die attitude, they took a bit. I was, <laughs> I was amused. So it was in a week of that. And I was watching. I mean, Eden, as good as she is, she also needed to be pointed out, stop whining. Well, whine a bit, but allocate a whining time and then get on with it. Mm-hmm. You, you, you're going to do yourself a disservice, not me. And 18 months later? Eden is, is running with it. They both want to go to school. They want, they want their friends. Sure. They want to giggle. They want to, they want to do things. Um, my kids have unlimited access to their phones. They have unlimited access to data. I'm also not willing to police that. These are the sites and conversations I would prefer you did not have online. Mm. I don't know how to work your phone. So if you're indeed doing things on your phone that you should not, I'm not involved. 
I can't be the policeman all day, every day. I refuse to go through your phone. I refuse to hack into your computer. I don't know what you're doing on that thing. Just don't do anything stupid. Mm. So your question was, and now, both my kids have seemed to got their ducks in a row, Mm. the younger one. Yes, I think a firecracker got lit under her chair as well. But still, she spends a lot of time during the school day wandering around aimlessly, rummaging through the the fridge, painting her nails. There's a lot of nail polish in my house. She paints her nails. She's on the phone with her friends. If you dare to knock on Eden's door, you get a death stare. And why is that? Because Eden is working. And Eden is so focused. And she's also not left alone. Often I say to the younger one, why the hell are you downstairs again? What, what, are you not working today? Have you got the day off? And she'll say, oh, no, no, I'm in class. Well, that's interesting because you're not. You're in the kitchen and you're in the fridge again. And she'll say, oh, no, it's this lesson or it's that lesson or it's a service of some description. Do they not know you're there? Oh, I couldn't be bothered. So something in what you've said has resonated with Debbie. Yeah, absolutely. I, one of the things when I was thinking about what's worked with the the online program with Edu Inc. is most certainly the routine. Yeah. I think children it's need not routine. Negotiable. They they get up and they're at their computer at seven thirty and, and they're following a timetable. So they, they didn't have the fear that a lot of children had when they were told, Here's your work, do it in your own time. I think it's a big pressure to put on children, especially when everything else is falling apart around them or feels like it might be. The one thing that Edu Inc. gave all the children is that that structure and, and that I mean, they knew they had to be in class. There was no question about it. Get mm. in your uniform and sit down and, and go to school. And Adrian can see them. That makes a big difference mm. for mm. Haley because the teacher actually doesn't know whether she's painting her nails or paying attention. Mm. Also helps. Yeah, and it's a non-negotiable being able to see the person. Yeah. It's part of our human contact. Yeah, but because people know she's not there. Yeah. It's an issue. So yeah. she's there. Where's the other kid? Nobody knows where she is. In fact, she's never in the classroom. She's in the fridge. Yeah. No, just quickly, I was concerned, obviously we all were, because we didn't know what we didn't know, right? We were standing on the precipice of the unknown, and I think we still are. But I was absolutely speechless, speechless, and you know my son, so you'll understand this, to find that he had responsibility I didn't know he had or felt. But he was up every morning, dressed and in front of his computer. I I was absolutely speechless. So he really has, he loves schooling online. He sees all his friends as much as he needs to for him. He does still want to see his friends and and he seeks social contact in person, but seldom. Mm. He's thriving. He Mm. is thriving. And the one time he was not online when he should have been, I was notified. Mm. So there is a systemic approach at EduInc, mm. that we are all aligned. And when there's misalignment, I know about it mm. immediately. Mm. And so we work together. It's, yes. it's phenomenal. That works. It's, it's brilliant. Mm. And because of that, as much as possible, I said, I try and make it their responsibility mm. so I don't have to police it. Every now and again, when I'm notified that something has gone awry, I then know to ask her, and what's the problem? Mm. And every time this has happened, it has been a legitimate thing. Mm. Well, that's great, because if I, if somebody hadn't phoned me from your school, I wouldn't have known you had a headache. Would you like a tablet? Because I'm not even quite right. They, they take over their own lives. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic to see. And that's I actually I explained that whole concept to me the other day. We want our children to be dependent on us forever because we love them. And at the same time, the first time the little tot washes her hair by herself, you're so incredibly proud that she can. But there's a sense of loss that I no longer have that job. And it's the same with everything. It'll be the same the first time somebody gets a driver's license. It'll be, oh my God, I'm so proud of you. And that is one more point where I become redundant. So I'm loving what I'm seeing. And I love the fact that I'm only notified that Eden is actually in her bed not feeding well, not at school, because the school notified me that she's not online. Mm. Uh, maybe it's not supposed to be like that. I don't know what anything is supposed to be like anymore. I find it fascinating that parents and teachers can gauge their success with their kids by the level of redundancy that they have. Hmm. 
in terms of how they think, how they engage. And I think that if you're feeling redundant as a parent and if you're feeling redundant as a teacher, it means you've done your job properly. Oh, thank God. I need to hear that because I think at the moment all I am is transport and I've got my 13-year-old telling me that I drive badly. Mom, there's a <laughs> flicker for this. <laughs> I think I think the, the redundancy kind of stops at the ATM because I think they'll try and be the, have you as the ATM as long as they can. Oh, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm still skills, a walking bank card, but I've managed to shirk that duty as well. So. <laughs> We've spent some time talking about why you've stayed with EduInc over the last 18 months during the pandemic. But what I'm curious about is why you decided to take one of your children to EduInc before this was even on the radar. I think the mainstream private school clearly was not working for my son. He is not mainstream in that he is not a self-driven, high-achieving. I think he is, but not in the way that many children are. And so he was lost. He was in a very desperate place for him. And my husband actually suggested that we have a look at alternatives long before I wished to, because I really believed that we were at, we were in a Rolls Royce. Eventually my husband turned around to me and said, what is the point of putting our child in a Rolls Royce if actually he needs a beetle and he'll really get a lot out of a beetle? <laughs> And then we started looking and I think when we made the leap, it was a leap of faith. I did a lot of research. I did as much as I could and there wasn't, there wasn't enough. There was never enough. But we took the leap of faith. I think the trial week was exceptional. And I think that what started standing out for me was a generosity of spirit and time that for me started making a distinction between what I would call the practice of education versus the business of education. And for me, EduInc has been about the practice of education rather than the business of education. And how I've seen that play out over these years now, I think we're on to two and a half years, goes quickly, is that firstly, there's absolute transparency with regards fees and monies asked for. And there's not a continuous conversation that happens throughout the year. So you know what you're in for <laughs> at the beginning. And at the end, that's what you've been in for. So that's the more transactional level of, of, of business and practice. But for me and for us, what's been far more important is that there's been a distinction in my own experience and my own family's experience, and everybody's right, but only partially, and this is my experience only. But this is the difference between values that are espoused and values that are lived. And for us, the values that are spoken at EduInc are those that are lived. We're in the practice of learning and teaching not only for the child, but also for the parents. So I, I've been learning. I've been learning about different approaches to parenting. And I also just love, and this is something Eduing shared with me at the very, very first meeting we had with Gershom and, and Jackie, was the IQ, EQ, and AQ. And what I remembered by the AQ, so you've got your IQ, that's the teaching, that's the thinking stuff. You've got your EQ, that's the feeling stuff. But actually, the tacky hits the tar with the doing stuff. And that's the application stuff. That's the accountability. I think of it as accountability quotient. And actually, for me, that is what is going to help prepare my child for the real world and the world after EduInc. Because you can do the thinking and you can do it in a Rolls Royce. And you can do the feeling. Yeah, you can. But the actual doing where the tacky hits the tar is in the application and then the accountability and the consequence management and what is a deal and what is a sanction if the deal isn't kept. And all of the, this is life. This is, this is what's going to help beyond EduInc. You know, if it's in the afternoons and the evenings beyond EduInc because life happens or if it's after matric. This for me is, is a very, very important distinction. So, did you trade the Rolls Royce in for a Beetle? <laughs> so that was, and I, you know, I actually 
actually didn't give it much thought. Was I going to say that? And then I was just saying it. <laughs> That's true. But I really did believe, and I, I mean, these private schools are for the world, right? The extracurricular wall-to-wall, the wall-to-wall subjects. But if you've got a kid who has no self-confidence or sense of himself in a robotics class or a whatever, you can't access these things. Mm. And I don't feel we've, we've, we've had a trade-in, not for my son, mm. not for my son. Um, and, and so therefore, I don't think it's, I think it's twofold. I think that the half of it is the school but the school has to be able to adapt to the child. And my child is now in a school that sees him as an individual, empowers him as an individual, actually gives him a voice and then listens. Mm. And it's not just yourselves as heads, but it's the teachers. Mm. It's the teachers with whom we've engaged. So I think this is, this is what pads out the beetle and makes it a Rolls Royce, mm. actually. Because for my son, He's now in more of a Rolls Royce than he was mm. before. Yes, I would agree with that. I think it's one of the things that Debbie had mentioned and you're mentioning now as well is having a voice mm. and the teachers knowing your child. You've also spoken about their confidence levels. And I think it's about showing an interest in another person. As soon as you show an interest in another person – you're validating them and you're seeing them and they are going to be heard. And that's what people need because as soon as they get that, the confidence, I am a person. I have something that's interesting. I'm, I'm unique in my own way. And I think it's in exploring that interest in somebody else that we can create confidence. And it's not just in children. It's in within your peers. It's within our social circles and things like that. And I think that's where genuine kindness and caring come from as well is showing an interest in somebody. I have to say that one of my best experiences with Edu Inc. is when I collect my little boy. He's one of the youngest in the school. And almost every time I've been on the campus, the older boys are greeting him and saying goodbye and saying, let's play soccer tomorrow. And there's so few schools where the children treat each other with respect like that. This, the competition, especially in the all boys private schools, is massive. And it starts very young. And my son is not a competitive child, not, not in that way. He's a kind and caring kid, and he, he just didn't fit in from that point of view. So to go to a school where he, he feels embraced and welcomed and part of the, the team right from get-go, and he isn't put down because he's the little guy and he has to earn his stripes, was, it was such a refreshing thing for us, and it's, and it's made him blossom. He is confident, he's happy, he skips onto that campus he chats to everyone as if he kind of he's been there forever you know he's he's a very happy child in a very happy space and mm. wherever your children are they need to be happy my youngest child is very happy where he is in our in the other school we love it it's a it's a fabulous school it just wasn't the right school for ollie mm. and i think that's really important is to look at your children and pick the right school for them don't put them through 10 years of of hell because you believe it's the right, it's giving them all of the, the right things. Because often that's, all it does is knock their confidence. So they might walk out with them a trick, but, you know, they go into university and, and fall apart. Or they, they have lifelong issues with their, their self-confidence. You know, I think in the end, all kids just need to get through school as far as academically and, and do the best they can. Mm. The best thing you can do for your children is put them in the environment that makes them blossom and gives them the, the confidence they need. Because that's what life's all about. Not all schools are created equal. Choosing the right school for your child is one of the most important decisions that you as a parent can ever make. Education Incorporated is a registered private school in four ways, with very small classes focused on academic excellence. By prioritizing the best interests of our children, we guide them to become the very best version of themselves. Visit educationincorporated.coza and decide if our vision and values match your aspirations for their future. Education Incorporated. Make the change. Krini, you, you made an observation that you perhaps didn't notice that you should be considering an alternative school. Mm. I'm curious to explore that. Mandy, when did you go, this isn't working, we need to look for another school? What was the thing that 
alerted you to one of your children not About being happy there? About a year there? before I moved Eden, I started to acknowledge that this was a bigger problem that I could control. And, you know, it was low. It took a while to notice that she didn't smile anymore. That happy laughter which used to ring throughout the house didn't happen anymore. I mean, at one stage, you know, these, these fancy private schools, they allocate you a whole 12 minutes once a term to chat to the teacher. 12 if you're lucky. And I, in fact, stopped bothering to go. And so the teacher cornered me one day and said, uh, Mandy, you've missed your, your appointment. And I looked at her and I said, I'm aware of that. I'm very busy. Can we do this next week? She said, absolutely not. I allocated those days for it. So I think it was exhaustion on my own part. I just said to her, you know what? I can't be bothered to make that appointment if I'm honest. She said, why? I said, because you're going to tell me for 10 minutes that my child is crap. And I already know that. And I walked away. And then I thought, oh, my God, the fact that I've even said that. We're not in a good space here. I feel that. This is what I feel the teachers are saying. She didn't want to go to school. She hated every part of it. She stopped laughing. She stopped smiling. She started to become mean and aggressive at home. She started to refer to herself as stupid and as worthless. And, you know, I fought the good fight. I kept going and I kept going. And then I kept mentioning to her, I'd like to look at other schools. I'd like to look at other schools. And she refused. She wanted to stay there. And it was actually a year later, she came to me and she said, I'm ready. Please take me somewhere else. So I started the quest and somebody else recommended Eduink. So I went for the meeting and I, I liked what I saw. Um, my initial thought was, great, these people will fix what the other school have broken and then I can send her back. <laughs> and I was... Um, quite pointedly told that we don't fix them so that the other schools can break them. That's not what we do. Do you remember that? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> so not something I would have said. Not at all, no. So I said, okay, all right, well, you know, it's my concern was that it was little, that there were not a lot of kids. Eden was a sociable child. She was a busy girl. She liked sport. She, she just, but she disintegrated, and you don't see it. It's subtle. It's subtle. And then you think, but hang on, last birthday... When you looked at the photographs of last year's birthday, there was still a twinkle in her eye. And now there's no twinkle. She's not the same child anymore. So anyway, so we do that. And at the same time, I'm having conversations with her current school or her the, the fancy big private school she was at about some of the marks that I'm seeing coming through. And nobody seemed particularly interested. In fact, I think that the, the clincher was when one of the heads, I said, well, you know, what do I do? Where do I go from here? And she flapped her hand at me across the table and said, oh, God, I don't know, give her more drugs. I will never forget that day, and I knew then I was taking my child out. How do you just say to me, oh, we don't know, give her more drugs? Get a tutor. I said, I'm doing that. I'm looking at another 40 grand a year alone. What did you people do with the 120 I already gave you? I knew then the conversation was over. So at the meantime, Eden was now at a during for a week, and they gave him their fancy books with the with the colours on. I think you need to reintroduce that with all these lovely pictures. And after I fetched her from school, I went to a coffee shop because kid number two was doing dancing, and I needed to look for an hour with Edie. And what does the child do? She whips out her fancy, colourful book that she'd got that day on day one and showed me the maths that she did. And then he fell off my chair. I still said to her, who are you? Since when do you ever show me anything? And since when are you ever excited? And that was the time I knew. You know, I didn't know whether or not to use your analogy, whether it was a Rolls Royce or a Beetle. <laughs> I'd already figured out that option one was looking rather more like a donkey cart than I was willing to accept. And at this point in time, I didn't care whether the other one, what it was. I just knew that my kid had to go there because she smiled at me for the first time in six months. And if she's happy, you can do anything in an environment that you are happy. But you can be in the best possible place with all, she said, all the, all the toys and the bells and the whistles. If your heart is not there, she will not achieve. I was told straight to my face, your child 
This ADD is so bad, she's uneducatable. My child gets merit certificates for academics from Eduink. There's nothing wrong with that child. She's nowhere near stupid. But that's what I was told. Um, Eden's been with us for five, six years now. She got to you at the end of grade five. In fact, she mm. flat refused after her November trial week to go back to the other school, and I informed her that she needed to because she needed that worthless document called a report. <laughs> I had to bribe her. I think I had to buy her stuff from Lou Harvey to get her to go back there. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, that started a rather expensive addiction that we all fell prey to, I must be honest. I'm not allowed to go Life there anymore. for parents. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm actually forbidden to go to that shopping center anymore. Um, so one of the words that – there's two concepts that have been thrown around here that I'd like to just clarify a little bit and get your input on. The first is you're referring to mainstream schools. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I describe Eduink as a mainstream school that mm-hmm. is small because we are doing exactly the same as the big mainstream schools. So, Debbie, you want to add something to that? I do. Um, Oliver is also ADHD, so he was finding a large classroom – difficult and their only solution was to add on extra so he had to then have a i think they call it the middle room where he goes and he gets separated from his class to get extra because they they just needed to take some of the children out to give them the the attention they needed and then he had to have speech therapy and then we had ot and we were looking at a remedial and ultimately when we actually added all of that up it was it was eye-watering and it was making him feel different and stupid and everything, all the things that come with it. And in a boys' school, all the, the other boys start to comment on it and, and it starts to knock their self-confidence. So when we were looking at options, the only option we were presented was remedial. But my child is smart. He's, he's got a high IQ. He just needed a different way of being taught. And that's where Edu Inc. just stepped in and they fill that gap beautifully. You know, it's a, it's a mainstream Quite high-pressured school, but the pressure's put on the kids in the way that they can handle it and when they, they rise to it. You bring the best out of these children. You produce the most incredible results that you don't think your child can achieve and, and they wouldn't achieve in a big classroom. Does she have a number? I, don't know. I know that yeah. all these children do have a number. We have a system that I put in place when we started the school, but I don't know what the students' numbers are. The only time they get allocated a number and are known as a number at Eduink is for their final matric exams. Mm. And but maybe that's the difference. Because when you, when you, I see what you're saying. You, you are mainstream. You're doing precisely the same mm. thing. Mm. It's just there isn't a thousand kids. Mm. So the second thing is that everyone's mentioned the social side of things. And one of the biggest questions that I get from prospective parents is you're a small school. You're full at 100 students. Currently, you're sitting at 75. My child's a sociable creature. And, you know, Eden was sociable Haley is sociable. I always say to them that the social element at Eduink is not an issue. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Because I don't feel that any of our children are sacrificing their social lives to be at a small school and get the quality education that they're getting. I can. You know, I believe very much in, in it will be as it is as it is meant to be. There's an awful lot to do with divine timing. And Eden made incredibly good friends. At Eduink. Yes, she's got four close friends. In the other place, she had four close friends as well. The way I possibly I could look at it is that she had a, a pool of 70 kids to pick the ones she liked the most. Here, the pool was smaller. Hmm. It doesn't mean that the ones, the four she's picked at Eduink are less marvelous. She would have picked the same four out of 100 girls. Hmm. Those girls have been put in her path for a reason and vice versa. And I'm very happy. In fact, the quality of friends that she's made at Eduink. I prefer them. They're nicer people. Their parents are nicer people. Um, are they all in her grade or are there some? Some are grade? older. Okay. Some are younger. And that's something else that, that you mentioned earlier was that there seems to not be, if you're not in my grade, we can't speak to you. Mm. Absolutely. Everybody talks to everybody. Mm. I don't even know what grade half her friends are in because it's irrelevant because that's, that's a label. We, I can't talk to her because she's a grade eight. Mm. How does that work? Is she a nice person? So so those boundaries have been removed. Mm. I think it's also important to remember that your children don't have to be at the same school and in the same class with their friends incessantly. Uh, my little boy is very sociable and has has his big class, but he tends to play with the same three or four yeah. boys anyway. People that make um, him happy. Oliver has yeah. kept in touch with his friends from 
his previous school and we have play dates and, and birthday parties with them. I don't think it's that relevant, that objection. I, you know, I, I do think that at age Inc., the children definitely all interact with each other. So you're not, if, you know, Oliver's in a class of two, which might have worried me, except that the next class up has another five little boys and they all play together and then they play soccer, as I said, with, with a whole lot of the kids there. And, and I love the courage side of things. We, we come from a, um, his previous school was an all boys school. And I think it also takes away that competition and, and the aggressive nature that sometimes arises with all boys schools. And he, he's learning to interact with girls, which suits us because we have two boys at home. And yeah, the social, it's never been a problem for us there. He's very happy to chat to the children of all ages and get on with them. I think, mm. in fact, Eden is his mentor with his orientation, some of the work that he has to do. Yes, she is. So she, mentioned, she mentioned that. This so morning. he's engaging mm. with I a great 10 girl mm. and having to. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, that, that whole social thing, it, it, it comes up in the beginning as a possible impediment. Yeah. The same thing, Ink does not offer hockey. Mm. That's one of those things. You don't stay at, a, at, a, at an institution because they have hockey. So what, is, what does Eden do for her hockey? We simply enrolled into club hockey. So there's another social circle. There's another social circle, and that's what I said to you. These yeah. things are meant to be as they are. Yeah. Eden receded to such a degree by the time she hit Edu Inc. I mean, she still, she still bleats about it almost like it's a badge. I am socially awkward, she declares, as if I get to leave her alone. No, I do not. Well, I don't know a single teenager who isn't socially awkward in some way. Or means. Well, that's what I said. You know, you, it's not like you have horns <laughs> and you're, you're fairly average looking. You're not ugly. <laughs> of course, I say that just to irritate her and it works. Um, but yeah, get off your chair. Go and do something. Go and yeah. do club hockey. Do something else. Do you want to join the gym? Let me know. Pick one. These are your options. Mm. I don't know. Oliver's engaged in other activities after school as well. He plays yeah. golf. And um, we have a soccer that he goes to every week. So, yeah, you can absolutely find sport elsewhere. Yeah. I, I, I was amazed at how many children at the previous school were not only playing the sport at school, but were in the club yes. anyway. So, you know, it's it's not – they're already doing that anyway. So it, it, I wouldn't see that as being a, a barrier a, to entry to going to – Not at all. It's perceived as one. But mm. when you get there, it's actually not, a, it's not an issue. Yeah. It's a process, man. It's a process. So, Karina, yeah. you wanted to add to that. Yeah, I just I don't think the social aspect is a barrier at Edu Inc. Mm. In fact, I think what Edu Inc. has certainly done for my son is taught him how to that there were barriers, but they're invisible. The barriers of class, as in different grades, mm. and the barriers of of gender. Well, mm. my my son came from a co-ed school, so it wasn't new, but they're just a bunch of kids, mm. and so he speaks of kids from different grades equally. But I think the thing that has really worked for Sam is that his friends are from his sporting clubs as well, mm. which he was involved with before he joined Edu Inc. Yeah. And that's, if anything, f not forced him to, but placed greater emphasis on more friendships there, potentially, than mm. at school. Yeah. But not really, because he also only had a very, he, he has one or two really close friends and that hasn't changed. Well, I see from our social events and when we're hosting social events, the number of kids coming from other schools that the social circle isn't just eduink. Mm. Um, social media has certainly made this generation's ability to socialize outside Absolutely. of the, the school environment a lot easier. And a lot of them do stay connected. And we see that when we have our social events and things like that. Mm. I think sometimes the objection over the school, over eduink not being a big school and, and the social side of things might be a, a fear coming from the parents. They don't want to lose their friends. Mm. Who they, you know, because you do tend to socialize with your children or your children make friends with the parents you socialize with. Mm. But I just want to say, don't, don't ever let something like that stop you from moving your child to the right school for them. It's not a valid issue. And do you think that the trial week, which is a long time to be taking them out of the, the school that they're currently in, was an important part of the process to finding the right schooling environment. Yes. Karina, you nodding your head. Absolutely. I think it was. I think not only, you know, coming from a systemic perspective in my answer as well, not only for Sam, but also for us and for our relationship with yourselves and the, the school, the teachers, the, sure. the whole, you know, it, it, it's not just the child. And at what point during the trial week did you know that this was going to work? 
Was there a specific point for you, for Sam? I think for us, it was in the way you guys handled him in the exit interview, okay. <laughs> to be honest, okay. um, and the way we engaged in the exit interview. Yeah. I just thought, wow, this is, this is different. And, and for you, Debbie, was there any specific moment that you knew? I think it was more that he didn't, the novelty didn't wear off. Mm. Some children want to go just to check it out, but within a day or two, they're saying, no, I, you know, I want to go back to my, my friends. And yeah. I, it, it just, he just slotted in. Mm. He was just, you know, he, he came and, and he also almost didn't want to, to go back. And he did his trial week as a grade three. So he was coming yes. in and sitting with the grade fours and fives and getting on with it there. And he was still feeling comfortable. Yeah. And Mandy, for you, was there a specific moment, if you recall? Day one, she came home and sort of whipped out that book that she'd yeah. been given. And she was so utterly delighted to not only show me. She, she did actual homework mm. voluntarily. I, I, was, I was speechless. I couldn't believe what I was looking at. And I kept quiet. And then on the Wednesday, I said to her, so how do you feel? Do you like it? You know, you want to make that your permanent school. How do you want? To Remember that at this stage of the game, our relationship had disintegrated to such a degree that she didn't speak to me at all. Mm. So the fact that she was actually willing to have a conversation in the car with me was was unusual. Normally, mm. she did not speak. Mm. It really her unhappiness everywhere had infected everything, and she said, "I like it." I said, "Would you like to stay there? Would you like that to make it your permanent school?" And she said, yes, I don't want to go back to the other school. Mm. And I said, no, I, I fully get it. I need you to think carefully. I, I can't hop and pop you in schools across Joburg. So I'm quite willing to make you happy, but I need you to be sure mm. that this is what you want. And she said, I like it there. I'm not going back to the other one. Then I had to break it to her that she had to go back for, I think, I think two and a half weeks. And as we've established, that became quite a costly bribe. <laughs> well, look, I have such an enormous assortment of Lou Harvey. Oh, and, and those Adidas, uh, what was those superstars that were out? Cost me those. That was the most expensive bribe <laughs> ever. <laughs> and it was the best money ever spent cause, yeah. because she's happy. Yeah. And that's all that was required. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the joy of a full week's trial is it takes the, the huge anxiety out of that first day mm. when, you, when you're really starting. Because you know, you're going for a week, so you can handle that. It's not too scary. And then by the time you go back again, you know what to expect, and you've you've made a couple of friends. And, and the way Edu Inc. handles it and welcomes the children and makes them feel comfortable, mm. it, it just takes that the stress out of – I mean, it's mm. always stressful anyway, but it's just not as, as yeah. terrifying for them. But by day three, it's also something that they are now familiar with. So they get to settle into the routine. Yeah, It's not, okay, well, this is one day, and I'm like the star of the day. By Wednesday, you're just another body in the building. Mm. Yeah. And so they get to try it on for size. Properly. Properly. Mm. Mm. Sam ultimately made the decision. Yeah. I think that's important. And I tried really hard to scare him off in that exit interview. Yeah, I, I picked that up. <laughs> but you didn't. You hooked no, him. You hooked was, him. That was the plan. You know, I make two promises to the students, and I think you'll all remember those promises because I make them to the parents as well, that I'll always be honest, even if – it means sometimes I can be quite abrupt because it's in everyone's best interest to be honest. I think that's where the transparency comes from and I think it's the the foundation of building trust. And I think every student at Edwink knows that even the little guys, if you ask Dolly and Mr. Aitchison, always tell me the truth. Mm. And the second promise I make is that they're going to work harder than they've ever worked in their lives. And it's not just academically. It's on themselves as people. They're required to reflect on how they interact with other people. They have, they're responsible not just for their work but for who they are as human beings. And it comes back to what you said about the values being enacted. The students know what those values are. We model them and we talk about it all the time. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for sharing your personal stories and insights. What I'd like to ask in closing is the thing that's niggling for me is how slow and insidious the slide was to a point where you noticed that a change was needed. I, I think that's worrying as a parent myself. You look back and say, why didn't I notice earlier? So if you were to tell your friends one piece of advice, what, what should they be looking for continually that's a warning sign that perhaps a change is warranted? I'm, I'm not the most gentle, nurturing human being. 
So my normal response to anything that doesn't work for me is I'll pour energy and or aggression at it. I will always not like the memories of who I was those three years. I, d- I did damage. I don't I don't like that part. I just, I, actually, it was just breakfast. I was in the kitchen and, and I was making her eat her food and she wouldn't eat her food. And this was every day, all day. And I, and I, I heard a woman shrieking, the most abominable language I've ever heard. And it was this feeling. I, I suddenly saw my kitchen from the ceiling. And I saw myself and the rictus that my face was, was pulled into. And I, and I saw a child with utter terror and such immense sadness. And it took a split second for me to realize that what I was looking at was my own home and it wasn't seven o'clock and I had used every filthy word I'd ever learned. And, and, and I, I snapped back into, into reality and I, I put what I, I was doing down and I closed my mouth and I walked out the room. And I knew that life couldn't, no child deserves to be spoken to like that by the woman who's supposed to love her and no woman who's supposed to try and parent. Nobody deserved to feel the way I did. There was something so massively wrong and I didn't know what it was. And it was a soup. It was a, it was a horrible soup of so many things. You must remember that when your kid is told she has ADD, you blame yourself. What did I do wrong? What is wrong with me? We all believe that our cherubs come out Utterly mm. perfect. I can tell you now, categorically, I have the most beautiful daughters in Joburg. But then you also think that about yours. Mm. I can tell you now that you are wrong. Mine are better. <laughs> <laughs> um, it takes a while for you to realize that your children are also flawed human beings like the rest of us. But I took all of this personally. So this ended up not a journey of Eden's ADD and changing schools. This sparked a journey of my own perception of self. So here I'm trying to deal with the fact that my kid is thick and can't pass grade three. And at the same time, I'm unraveling my own issues. Mm. And the poor little onlooker on here is, the, is that golden-haired little three-year-old who's watching mum turn into an animal. And that was when I knew, I don't know what needs to be changed, but I've got to rip this whole thing apart because this is not life. Mm. And... I think the moment I acknowledged that something was wrong, individual things started to come to mind. That's when I started to notice nobody smiled anymore. I didn't smile. I didn't want to be in the room with them. I didn't want to fetch them from school. I didn't want her in my car. I didn't want to be around her. I didn't want to be around anybody. And, and, and that's when, I think once you acknowledge something, the lights start to go on. And then just after that, I started to notice what was happening with the marks. I wanted to know why I needed to have a think, oh my goodness me, I had to make the appointment with the school. I had to say, hi, sorry, is Eden on the repeat the year list? And I had the headmistress say to me, goodness gracious me, what on earth are you talking about? Why am I pointing this out to you? This is what you do. And it was the same week that Eden had said to me, mom, I'm ready to move. So everything sort of spiraled at exactly the same time. Everything came together in alignment at exactly the same time. It was amazing. And that's what I thought. Man, if, if, if this is not the right thing to do, I don't know what is, but I've got to jump into the sea. And if we swim, we swim. If we sink, we, we, we sink. It's just better than what I have. Mm. And that's how it worked. I, I have some closing words on, on that. You've triggered something for me. Thank you, Mandy. I Please think man. that one of my personal strengths is tenacity. It has a gold, but it has a shadow. And I think it was my tenacity that kept my son where he was before for too long. And it was my tenacity that this is going to work. We'll make it work. We'll find a way. Because when I actually listened to him, and he was, he was, he was a, oh, I can't even think about it. He was, he was a heap saying, please, I can't go back. <laughs> this is why I can't. Yeah. So it's not easy to, yeah. I think we always obviously want the best for our children. And, and when they're very small, you plan out their their futures. And, and you're always so excited to either be, to be able to afford to and to get your place in these wonderful private schools. 
So the decision to move your child is a big one. But I want to just say to people, don't get pulled into the it should have, could have, if we just stick it out, it's going to get better. Because for some children it doesn't. And there's no shame in moving your child and putting him in the right place. And yes, you might have to drive to two different schools. And and I know that some people to contemplate that is, is very tough. But when you see your little boy or, or, or teenage daughter come home, with that glitter back in their eyes and smiling and confident, it's worth all of that. I think human beings don't like change. We see that in our kids who thrive in routine and things like that. And I think the biggest barrier to moving schools is the perception that that, that unnamed monster under the bed, the thought of the turmoil and the change. Did you find that the move was half as traumatic as you thought or expected it to be? It was a lot easier than I anticipated. It's got a lot to do with our own conditioning. I also went to a, one of the snazzy private school things. And you don't leave. We, we used to look down our snotty little noses at the girls who did change schools when I was at school. That is what you know. You don't move schools unless you, you, move, you relocate towns or countries. Mm. So this whole thing about changing schools, and I think you pointed it out earlier, everybody wants to get to a point where they can put their kids in these fabulous private schools. As long as we can do that, life's good. And for who am I to reject that? What am I doing? I need her to be there. I understand the benefits it gave me. I can't do that. And Krina was right. You're tenacious. You stick it out. Obviously, this institution is right. It's my child that's bad. She's the one who's not doing the homework. She's the one that's not focusing. She's the one who's being silly. But obviously, this marvelous institution, and they, they encourage that. They are always right. They know exactly what they're doing. Just the tone of the paperwork comes out like that. And so you're sucked into it. So how dare I decide that they are not good enough? It's what is wrong with my child. So you do in the beginning when you do it, you feel like I had to take my child out because she wasn't good enough. That's also something that's not nice to swallow on the way to the therapist. Mm-hmm. I can tell you it was a lot, the move was a lot easier once I'd made it. My mind was a hell of a lot easier. Her reaction, particularly to having five days there, it wasn't just she got a day not being in that horrible other school. Because by day three, if my kid is unpleasant, wherever she goes is going to be unpleasant. The fact that by day four and five, she loved it and cried because she didn't want the trial week to be over. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, it's the best decision I've ever made. I wish I'd done it earlier. Our experience was different. The school my son was at first tried to assist him and then and then said perhaps he needs to look at a, a smaller environment. They were very supportive and they, they recommended Edging because mm-hmm. they rec- they knew that he had the brains to cope with, with Edging, which is a mainstream school, and that it would be the right environment for him. So I, I think as a parent you do have a moment of thinking, are we – admitting failure or is this a failure on our side if he's, he has to move schools but I think it's something you need to you need to go to Edge Inc and, and check out the school and and make sure it's the right environment for you and then moving your child to the right environment is never a failure your failure as a parent is when you leave them in the in the wrong place where they don't thrive you know Edge Inc is as much a, a fancy private school as our previous one it's just a different environment and it's more suited to my one child than it is to the other. And I would like more parents to embrace that, that your children yeah. are different and that they deserve to be in the environment that that really works for them. Oliver's got this fabulous engineering-type brain and spends as much time as he can in the robotics lab and on the 3D printer, and it's not something his previous school could provide for him. Whereas Edge Inc. gets him and they encourage that. So find the school that suits your child. And if a smaller environment that really understands them is going to be the right school, then go and see Edge Inc. It's, there's a, it's a no-brainer. In, I can't imagine anybody who would not thrive in an Edge Inc. environment. The only problem is, is that if you, if you then decided to open your school to take on a thousand kids, it would no longer be as fabulous as it is now. And maybe, maybe the question here is, are children supposed to be indoctrinated and, and, and brought up, because it's effectively to a large degree what schools do, on mass like that. 
Well, it was a previous podcast that we had with Selwyn Marks, who's also opened a boutique-style school for boys, grade 8 to matric, STEM focus, near call it, or just off Call It Drive, Waverly Houghton, I'm not sure, where we discussed this exactly, and it is the current school systems and designs were for crowd control, getting kids off the street and preparing them for what the workplace and the marketplace needed those students to be. And we live in a very a world where you're creating your own jobs. I'm very excited that the hybrid solution allows people to work for an esteemed overseas Google or gaming or tech company or something while sitting in South Africa because we have the bandwidth and they mm. can do all their meetings. Yeah. It opens up a lot of that scope. And one of our board members lives in the UK and contributes as meaningfully as if she were living in South Africa because we are able to do that with the hybrid solutions. Yeah. I think my last comment and thought on this is it's very clear, Mandy, that you had to challenge your own ideas on education, your own historical journey in education, yeah. and before you could deal with your children's journey in education. And my my last challenge to parents is that everybody has had an educational journey, and we all bring that, even teachers, into the classroom and into our journey that we bring with other people because we all behave and act based on experience. Yes. And I think it's an opportunity to put your educational journey on the shelf and examine your child's educational journey, which is independent from yours. And that's, I think, when we get to the place where we start making the best educational decisions for them. Yes. And that's what Eduing's there to do, to partner that journey and help people through the process of determining what their educational journey is. Absolutely. It's a lovely place. Karina, Debbie, Mandy, thank you very much for taking the time to share your clearly heartfelt gratitude towards Eduink. Thank you very much for being such supportive parents and for being part of our team. And I know that your other private schools are very lucky to have you as parents as well. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.